Well, this is the first time I've ever done this. I'm taking a cue from Mark Maron's WTF when one of their past guests passes away. Mark will always re-release the episode and do a little tribute, which I've always respected. And just, I'm a little raw right now. So I learned about the passing of Matthew Stewart today. Matt was, I was a fan of his for years and years. And one time I got to meet him early, in the early aughts when they played in New York City. And then years later through Sonetta, after about a year of trying, he agreed to do Let's Chat. Matt and pretty much anyone in the Streetlight Manifesto they don't do interviews. They're super media shy. I was just so confused, but always happy that he said yes to coming on my show. And he enjoyed it so much. We actually did another episode, the three of us. I don't think we even talked about Streetlight at all. It was just about God and philosophy and what's it like to be black in America. And that episode was never released uh, for reasons. Um, we're going to figure out what to do with it now, if it's possible. And hopefully this that will now see the light of day. But, man, Matt became one of those people who came on the show, and then we stayed in touch. Like, we became friends. Like, legit, we became friends. Uh, Sonetta, Matt, and I have a th- had a thread and talked pretty frequently. And always, he's always so supportive of the show, and we'd talk about, like, business and jazz and aliens and weed and stuff. Like, just it's one of the most introspective people I've ever met. And he seemed to really understand the fandom and the, I don't know if the fandom's the right word, the community that was surrounded by Streetlight Manifesto. Uh, so many wonderful people that we met from the Friends of Streetlight Manifesto group. Like, he he seemed to get it. He knew, like, you know, how crazy. He was someone who could get up on stage and play in front of thousands of people and then just walk off stage and just be like, hey. And when they played in Boston, Matt was really kind last December and invited me, put me on the guest list to go see them when they played with Botar, which is Bandits of the Acoustic Revolution, which is Streetlight Manifesto with an orchestra. I met Sonetta that night in real, for the first time in real life and a whole bunch of wonderful friends from the Friends of Streetlight Manifesto. And it was a really special night. Well, Sonetta and her boyfriend Tyler and I hung out afterwards waiting for Matt, and the dude played that show, killed it, and came out in very cold weather after the show had ended just to hang out with me, Sonetta, and Tyler. And one of my favorite memories is just, like, smoking a blunt after the show with Matt and talking about, like, the fervor method of uh, parenting. And one of the most introspective people, he would just say things, and I was like, how do you think of that? Matt was the only person that could talk about jazz, and I would actually care. <sighs> it's It's been a rough day. I just want to say thank you to Matt for melting our faces off at all those shows. And for anyone out there who's struggling or feeling grief right now, I'd love to direct you to the Friends of Streetlight Manifesto Facebook group. There's a lot of us in there really sharing memories and pictures and videos. And, you know, I've lost a lot of people in my life. And the thing that you always miss the most is their voice. You know, now in this age of social media, it's not impossible to find someone's voice. But it's just 
what an honor that I can get to have a, a hour long conversation with this person that I got to record and share with the world and hopefully another one. Thank you, Sonetta. Sonetta Duncan. So much for making sure that that episode happened and connecting Matt and I and really solidifying a really cool friendship. Like it, it's a great feeling and it's a cool feeling and a little surreal when you get to befriend your heroes. I love you, man. And here's to life. And here's our episode from a few years back. Let's get to it. I never said I wasn't a gotcha journalist. <laughs> that's true. Actually, that's kind yeah, of- <laughs> I'm looking up who you are. Wow, you produced a movie? That's true. I produced a couple of movies. Jeez, I haven't produced it. Wow. Do you, you have produce a lot music. of them? <laughs> are there any um like gotcha music journalists you ever have to deal with, or are people are like trying to make you like talk crap on someone or something like that? Does that happen? Oh, I guess this would be a question for me. I guess it's easy thing. Oh yeah, I could have. I should have used your name. I apologize. <laughs> okay, it's like I'm busy stalking Sonetta right now to see who I'm on this interview. Right, you know. With You're like, I could have done this earlier, but why not right until we start it? <laughs> That's what I like. That's what I like. Don't you stalk know? me. Oh yeah, because it's like. <laughs> A little bit. Oh my gosh! I had no idea. This is okay. I didn't. I have no idea. I don't even know what these teeth. I don't watch TV. Really? <laughs> like at all? So I have. Yeah, I have no bearing for any of. You know, it looks very well produced. You know. Uh, actually, how do you, how do you two how do you two Matt and Sonetta how do you know each other? I mean, I think I know the answer, but I want to see if I'm right. Um, What's your guess? Yeah, yeah, let's go. Oh, yeah, right? Like, it's, if it's not from the Streetlight Band, then I don't even know if, if what else I would guess. Because Matt doesn't yeah. watch TV, so that, that that's out of it. I was like, look, obviously you watched her movies, but no. No, not at all. I didn't even, I knew she wrote things, but she didn't tell me she, like, made movies. Like, I think you mentioned it once, but you kept it really low. You know what I'm saying? I have no idea. That was it. Yeah, I think I saw you at a concert. Was that you? You were standing on a guardrail. I thought yeah. you were like six, six tall. I thought you were I like was six, foot, tell that six story. tall. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, and then I think I, yeah, I think we chatted like a half a year later and you weren't as tall. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that was pretty much it. But yeah, I didn't, I mean, I knew you did movie stuff because we had talked. But mm-hmm. it's like, I didn't even watch TV. I didn't know you did like movie, movie stuff. <laughs> You know? Well, we met. We met in, uh, and I was standing on the guardrail thing because yes. I like to climb shit. And yes. uh, <laughs> then, yeah, next time when I saw you, you're like, "Whoa, <laughs> you shrank." Yeah, I was like, "Yeah, okay, no," nah, because that was cooler for me, <laughs> you know. Because I'm like five six. I was like, "Wow, this girl plays volleyball and things." 
No. <laughs> just talky. I'm, just talky. <laughs> yeah, you I'm know. I'm 5'6", too. I feel you. <laughs> yeah, you know, so it was a thing. But, yeah, I had no idea. Yeah, and I think we had chatted a couple times online. You know, I didn't know you were a movie heavy, but I know you write in long paragraphs, so there's long thoughts going <laughs> my on. My essays. <laughs> you know, and I like to keep my thoughts like, you know, little bullets. You know, they're very short. <laughs> they don't always hit the target, but there's a lot of them. And uh, do, do you ever do get you like... voice memos? <laughs> yeah, I mean, voice memos are just like, hey, maybe I'll remember that. If I don't, wasn't meant to exist. It wasn't meant to be around, so I don't remember that old thing. Yeah, like for you guys, I woke up from a nap at like eight fifty three, and it's like, let me uh be awake. That's for awesome. Another. Let me wake. Let me be awake for another hour before I uh actually talk to these folks. <laughs> Splash the water yeah. on your face. <laughs> yeah, we appreciate that. You um, man, you're uh surprised. You're pretty media. It, 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 would you? Is it fair to say media shy? Like I was doing my research, it was it was hard to find a lot of interviews with you. Um, yeah, I am media, sh would I say media shy? No, nah, I'd say more media, uh, like, uh, more media constipated, I would say, because <laughs> it's such a, it's such a heavy thing in my life that I have no idea what it does, because I'm old, you know, I'm like 39 years old, so it's like, I have no idea what any of any of anything does, you know, like the fact that we can do the same thing pot we could we could make this thing happen and other things like this are happening on platforms for millions and billions of dollars with men who wrestle you know what i'm saying it's like it's it's completely sure. beyond me like the new scope of things and the accessibility of you know people to make really dope shit collaborative collaboratively with folks you know so mm -hmm. it's it's still it's still a thing where it's like well not quite a lot of people do ask to interview me but if they do i kind of shy away because i'm always like i'm going to say something stupid at some point <laughs> in the uh <laughs> that's me too <laughs> <laughs> you know i mean i'm sure you don't i mean i wouldn't think that like a writer would think that you know what i'm saying <laughs> No, it's always, you know? always in the back of my head. I'm like, I'm going to say that one thing and then I'm going to think about it for the next year. And yes. then... <laughs> that's, that's my experience. That's my experience with meeting most people. You know, so it's like, <laughs> I, I so tend funny. to avoid that. I tend to avoid that anyway. Like if you come to the shows and stuff, I'm like, I'm kind of talking people. But yeah, most of the time it's like, I'm, you're hiding away as to not, you know, ruin somebody's idea of who you might be before they meet you you know what i'm saying i did one interview once it was an australian um production crew that came to toronto and they were interviewing like female filmmakers mm. and this was years ago and i still to this day have not seen the actual documentary i don't know if it's in post or they just like decide to scrap it but mm -hmm. still to this day, I'm like, what did I say? What did I say? <laughs> I saw one at one kid interviewed me. It was at a warp tour we played. Nice. I had just come off the stage. I was talking all types of crazy nonsense, <laughs> all type like incoherent shit. Like it was pretty bad. You know, it was a pretty bad interview. Uh yeah, so I kind I kind of avoid them. I think this thing is like a year or two in the making, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You you've actually been on my list for a very long time of uh, and then Because yeah, we talked, talked to, to uh, talked to a 
Pete uh, last year. Yes, I heard I that. Was, wow, that was a, a oh, whole thanks, man. year ago. Yeah, it was around now, I think, right? Because I know co- I remember like talking about COVID and how it, like I think it must. I remember Pete being like, "Yeah, I'm supposed to be at um, uh, what's that place in Colorado?" Oh, Red, Rocks. Rocks. Red Rocks. Yeah, yeah you, you you were supposed to be playing with Sublime the night we interviewed him, like, and I remember like. Like we were saying before, I'm, I don't know. I remember making like a really bad joke and being like, "Oh God," and everyone was polite. But I remember like the next three weeks being like, "Why did I say that? Why did I say that?" <laughs> <laughs> so it's I guess so we all weird. have that. It's so we all crazy. overthink it. Yeah, we all, all it, overthink it, ourselves. It, you don't judge other people usually. And I think, <laughs> yeah. I edit this shit. I, I have I, edit power, and I still don't take it out. I'm like, well. It, I, I have to do this for some integrity that I don't know why I believe so strongly in, but I do. If it, if exactly. it makes me look bad, I'm like, that's fine. I don't care. But if it's somebody else, <laughs> never. Yeah, like the authenticity of the thing is, uh, you know, is the most paramount. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I'm pretty free and open, but it's like, Sinead is like a, uh, she's like a safe of information and stuff. <laughs> I do have many informations. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know, of both informations you have. Yeah, because, yeah, I would have looked you up earlier. I'd never, you know, I don't even know what all these things are that are on this IMDb right now. There's a whole lot of things. Like, how do we even get Oh, God. <laughs> you know? It's funny. That's so funny, Matt, because Sonetta and I actually talk about this a lot and how, like, um, like you and like m- musicians to me are like magicians. I have yeah. absolutely no idea how you make the noises come out of the trumpet or anyone like writes oh, a song. Wow. Like it, my brain, like I'm, I love music. I grew up with music. I'm like a fanatic of it. Like obviously a huge streetlight fan. I've seen you seen many times, but like I've sit in front of a drum. If I sit behind a drum set, I can like get my hands to move. The second I move my feet, my brain just stops. Like uh. I couldn't learn. I just, and so it's just so funny that you're saying all that. I was like, to me, I look at you like a magician. I'm like, I you you just you get up there and have like superpowers. I have no idea how you do that. Dude, you know I just bought. Oh, sorry, Matt, go for it. No, go right ahead. No, you please go, please go, please. I, I was just gonna say, I just bought a trumpet. Um, well, actually, months ago now, I bought the trumpet. Wow. I have no idea how this thing works, like at all. Like I was trying. I'm like, this does not work like the flute. I don't get it. <laughs> I can't weird, figure it out. For shit. Yeah, the trumpet is a nut instrument because if you think about it, it's always telling somebody something else is happening. Like it's always like ever since like the trumpet's been around, it's either either been like the king is coming or an army is coming, or right. like that's like huh. the only place it really lives. It doesn't like a flute. You know, you can play these melodies on it, and you can play those on a trumpet, but it, mostly, like the trumpet exists to be like, nah, this is about to go down. <laughs> like, you know, so it has this it has this personality about it where it's like, you know, it just being around, it expects the rest of society to, uh, you know, kind of pay attention. It's like, no, nah, something's about to go yeah, down. I'm just here. <laughs> you know, I'm here. So you guys are about to in for a treat. Something's about to go down. I love that. that. I've never thought of that. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> that's, that's what it's doing, you know. It, and it's like... And, uh, because that's the thing with the interview. It's like you have you have the personalities that instruments are, and then you got adulthood when you're supposed to remove that. And I swear to God, the reason you guys like Streetlight Manifesto is because I never removed that. I've never taken that, that out of the character of that instrument. Like the band is doing what it's doing, but like that trumpet part is 
you know, the Trump party is it's trying to deliver it's trying to deliver service to a huge swath of people that it can. You know, it's like it's kind of foretelling the oncoming of something. You know, mm-hmm. I try and keep it over there in character. And, uh, you yeah. know, as a healthy minded as a healthy minded adult, you're supposed to be able to separate the story world from the real world. And I've never really wanted to. I've Me never either. Really. <laughs> yeah, artists. Artists. Yeah. Yeah, I've never really wanted to do that. They tell me to do that for, like, you know, survival. But I'm like, you know. <laughs> <Not> survival. <laughs> yeah, kind of. And it's like, what's the nature of it? You know, we 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 both live in kind of soft countries, you know. So it's kind of choose your illusion out here. You can choose the one of the, uh, of the taxpayer. You can choose the one of the maniac. You can choose the one of, you know. It's a thing, yeah. So that's why I don't talk about I it. I love it. <laughs> <clears throat> Yo, it makes sense too, because of the streetlight show, like you know you're about to get your face punched. Like, you know, sometimes literally and sometimes just with like the gobsmack yeah. of the performance you're about to see. I, I I'm sure you've heard this because obviously you're in the band, but mm. Streetlight is one of like maybe three or four bands where I have friends who like work in the industry that where the sound guy actually likes the concert and that never happens. Like streetlight you know, is like one of the few bands. That's how you judge them. Like the sound guy is like, you look over it's you, whenever I see a streetlight, the sound guy is always bobbing. Yeah. And you know what? We take that as a high honor. Cause they see everybody. Like, cause you're everybody, right before, everybody. Like there's been time right before we show up where it's been like Guar. Some nights has been Snoop right before us. You know, oh, and it's just, yeah, and it's the same group of people running the thing. I call them the lifers. They get to be involved in it no matter what. They wear mm-hmm. all black during the day. You see what I'm saying? They wear all mm-hmm. black. They're in the group. They're the lifers. You'll find them at festivals, you know, yep. stuff. So Netta does, you know, she's one of them. Production, <laughs> yeah, you wear all black during the day. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'm showing I'm up. Yeah, 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 you're a lifer. And it's like, if people like me show up, I have no idea what's going on. None, you know. <laughs> So it's not going I just here got my it. trumpet. Yeah, you know. Uh, but uh, make the doot doots. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it's it's making the doot doots. It's so weird, guys, because it's like, all right, let me tell you this story. Like, I don't know anything about ska music. My favorite ska band is the police. All right. Yeah, like I know nothing <laughs> so about the genre. Is this a theme with all of Streetlight? Because Pete was the <laughs> same way, and it blew my mind. And then I'm like, now like knowing Streetlight, I'm like, yeah, that kind of makes sense that y'all yeah. come from different worlds. Yeah, and that's the thing, you know. I think it was. Is it a thing with Streetlight? I'm gonna say I don't know if it's a thing because I can't really say it's a thing, but I'll say yes. Where there's only four guys in that band that were like kind of lifers of that genre, and I think the other guys in the band were guys who went to music school primarily, you know. And we mm-hmm. all like music. We all like cool music that genre. You know, I, I don't think all of us like grew up listening to that type of music, you know, the way the fans do. Like I find out about the genre from the people I talk to after the shows, you know, like. I love that. So weirdly for me, I was never really I, I listened to like the Mad Caddies when I was younger and like a bit mm. of Real Big Fish. But I was never really into ska until like maybe the past couple years. And I would say Whoa. that it's Streetlight that brought me to that world, which I hate really? saying because I know you guys don't really identify that way. But yeah, one hundred. But what album <laughs> was it that you uh, checked out that was like, okay, these Streetlight guys made this, so now I'm into the whole genre. What album was that? Um, to be honest, I think it was actually meeting other fans who were like really big on ska. 
then yeah, they would be like recommend other music. But my first album was um if you say keys be nights matt's gonna walk no it wasn't keys be and it wasn't everything went numb Um, i'm just kidding i love all those (laughs) others it might have been numb it might have been numb actually okay it was when i was in high school uh, it's funny to me matt because you're in streetlight manifesto but i definitely know i was probably a fan of your the band that you're in before you even knew who they were is that sound right literally Yep, absolutely. I was, yeah, I go back to Catch Twenty Two. That was my first introduction, like with Top. Yeah, I go back with them. I literally go back to them to uh, February two thousand seven. It was January in two thousand seven. I just left college. I think Mike Brown had just joined the band, and they were like, "Yeah, you know, our trumpet player is about to leave. You know, you want to play in this band? You know, they record and tour and stuff." And I'm like, "What type of music is it?" They're like, "Um, you know, they call it ska music." It was like, "Well." Out and we got a recording in LA February 7th. That was it. So that's where I met Tom was in the basement of the building. We were doing that recording and we went upstairs and recorded somewhere in between. That was it. Nice. Oh my god. No, I didn't know them <laughs> at all. I knew the four horn players, like I'd went to school with those guys. Mm-hmm. Um it was it was kind of a weird road because Chris that like I used to do this thing called drum and bugle core. It's like super nerdy marching band stuff, but it's awesome. I take back the nerdy, but the other people it might be viewed as nerdy, but the us were very nerdy's serious. cool here. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah. nerdy is cool. <laughs> yeah, it was very serious. Like if you were a little kid and you wanted like the touring experience and you had like a classical instrument, like back in that day, like pre the year two thousand, you could join a drum and bugle core. Hmm. Right. And if you were a band kid, that was like the army for band kids. Like you're touring the country, you're rehearsing for 16 hours a day. You know, you're away from your parents. There's like, you know, at night you're doing shows in stadiums in front of 10,000 people under big lights. It was like, nice. it's like, it's like, um, I don't even know how to say it was like army training camp for what I do now for the street light thing. It's so weird. Cause I, it, I don't, I'm not trying to talk about myself at all too, too much. That's another thing I hate is talking about myself. But when I went to college, I was trying to cultivate a unique thing to fit into it. Like, since I didn't know the scoffers, it was like, how do I fit in with the whole music thing? Like, I like jazz music. I'm nowhere near as any of those guys in New York City in 2007. So it all came about in a weird, perfect storm that afforded me more years to be able to practice to eventually get good, you know. Probably the same thing for Sonetta, too, you know? Like, how you got into making movies and stuff like that, you know? Oh, yeah, it took, like, a decade, and I'm still, like... <laughs> young, you know? You're still, you're still young, you know? You're still young, so it's, like... You know Thank what I'm you. saying? So it took that decade, so that's, like, you starting at, like, 19 or 20, mm. you know? Yeah, you're right. I shouldn't be so hard on it. You know? <laughs> I, I just keep I practicing things. I just want to be good at stuff. You're younger than I, me, and you're already ten years in. Damn. Yeah, it's 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 a wild thing. I'm looking at your IMDb, and the thing about you is, <laughs> Get I met you there. Like, I gotta delete it. I met you like three times. Like you're never alluding to this. Like online, when you're talking to this girl, you're never alluding. Like you get it in the messages because the paragraphs are so long. You're like, my thoughts. I can't think that long. Like, I don't think that he responds with like cool, and then I'll respond with like five paragraphs. Yeah, (laughs) and I'm like, wow, that is such a scope of understanding on things. (laughs) 
you know what I'm saying? It is like literally like I've wowed a lot of those people. Like, wow, that is a man. I gotta think about things more because I just don't, <laughs> you know. So uh, yeah, so let me ask you that. Like, how did you get into that? Like for me, it was going to college. Um, I met Chris Thatcher at a truck stop on in Drum Corps. I met uh, Pete in college, Mike Brown in school. I met Jim Conti. We were in a random funk band in North Jersey. Um, Tom, I met the night I was recording his album in 2007. That's when I met him. So for you, like, you know, having all those Damn. credits, like being born in Canada, how, how did you get into, like, the film thing of all things? So, um, <laughs> how do I tell this story? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, well, I've always, always been a writer, always, since I was like five years old, I was always writing stuff. Like, mm -hmm. you know, we'd be like at a family event, like my sister's soccer, or the drive-in or something. And like, I was always writing. Um, and people would always pass my parents and be like, oh, is she yeah, like doing her homework? Like, what a good kid. And they're like, no, no, she's writing like a book. <laughs> Um, wow, so that, it was kind of like I, I loved writing ever since I was really little. Uh, my parents put me in theater um, also around that same age. So like five, six ish, I was like writing and I have like a really crappy children's book that I wrote and illustrated when I was like probably about seven years old. I still have it. I'm like, one day I will publish this. <laughs> It'll be a masterpiece. <laughs> I want to um, see this. It's so bad. It's called Baby Trap. <laughs> And it's about like a uh, like a, a mom or a lady who like goes in a time machine or like some magic machine and is turned into a baby. <laughs> it's so terrible. <laughs> um, but yeah, long story short, so I I was always writing, I was always acting in theater, and then uh, in high school I took a film class, and I'd already filmed one thing before that point, and my dad had like edited it when I was in like elementary school. And at my babysitter's house, I used to always, um, like, I would uh, transcribe scripts from films. So, like, Pirates of the Caribbean or different things. And then wow. I would make all the kids there act it out. <laughs> um, so I was always doing that when I was little. And then, yeah, I took the film class when I was in high school. And then when I was going into post-secondary, no joke, applied for, like, 15 different programs, all in the arts. I had, like, no idea what I wanted to do. So I did, like, media, um, arts, digital media, um, just, like, visual arts, a few film programs. Um, and then basically when it came down to, like, actually choosing, it came down to the film programs because it was a way of, like, incorporating all the arts together. And I was like, this is a good way of, like, bringing all my loves together it's gonna work perfectly and then went to my first school and I kind of had like a midlife crisis there because the people I was in school with were like douchebags and I was like mm. eh, I'm not gonna be able to fit in with these people they suck <laughs> uh like for example wow, we we're filming I would never guess that we yeah, never yeah. Guess that from you no wow. I was awful like Basically, like, we were filming one day on film, like, uh, actually on, like, 16 mil or something, and people, like, from a different group were, like, literally throwing stuff onto our set, like, paper and shit, like, for some reason, and, like, just being douches while we're actually filming, and it's, like, you can't redo film, and it's so expensive, and I just did not wow. get it, and I had, like... I flipped out at them because I'm like, guys, like, what are you trying to do? Like, they were, like, trying to sabotage us or something. And then somebody walked by me and muttered. <laughs> I'll always remember this because I was like, who does this? They walked by and muttered spaz at me. 
And then that was kind of my moment where I was like, I can't deal with this. (laughs) Like, I I can't deal with these type of people. Like, so I ended up actually going, transferring to university for a year of psychology. And that was like, what am I doing? I'm an artist. (laughs) I I don't belong here. I went back to film and then that's how it all went down. (laughs) Yo, that is very interesting. You know? (laughs) I mean, it all makes sense. It kind of does. I mean, because I feel like yeah, especially the thing, like, because in the music scene, we got a thing called vibing. Like, people don't really vibe you in ska because it's all beautiful, happy people wearing yellow and oranges and stuff. You know? Oh, my God, that's like so pizza. true. So, or they like pizza. They're very nice. The ska folks are very nice. That's why I ride with them. You know, they're very nice, and they know a lot of things, and they're super unassuming. So you see these kids in the audience, but you don't, you never know what they do. They're just like us in the band. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. It's like, so the whole audience is like 2,000 people that all got schemes and situations. They all like dope music. You know what I'm saying? So it's very different than, I never want to talk bad about the jazz thing, but the jazz thing is more like court order. So you get a thing called vibing, where it's like people will try to keep you out of that world. That's what you experienced, Miss Sonette, man. You got vibed. Yeah, That's I did get vibe. Oh, interesting. <laughs> you got yeah, my like, yeah, they like try and keep you from getting into that. Well, I have no idea. I've never been a person like that because it's like me I've neither. Never That's really... why I didn't get it. Like, what the heck? Yeah, <laughs> why are people like yeah, this? Yeah, and it's. <laughs> Yeah, and I still to this day, you know, so that's why it's like, it's an odd thing because you guys know about Streetlight Manifesto and you guys are super accomplished people, but I'm here, uh, I don't know if both of you guys are in the U.S., but I'm around Philadelphia, you know, so it's like the musicians who are around here are like playing with Rihanna, Jay-Z, John Legend, um, Sweetie, mm. like there's a whole universe of like the whole black touring musician thing that literally has no idea that I've been playing in Philadelphia every year to 2,000 people, every single year since 2007. And New York, and Chicago, and LA. And you see what I'm saying? So it's like the vibe, the vibes are still there even when you air quotes got a gig. It's, it's just an interesting thing of it. I, and, and you never know, maybe it's people just not knowing you, they're just not comfortable with you around i mean that's kind of a lame thing to even speak of in an interview but it is true and i find that it's weird how those things make us better because it's like it's not even competition necessarily but it's like it's it's a little bit of adversity that makes you work harder at it it's like Mm -hmm. would you still have all those would you still have all those things under your belt if they never vibed you that day yeah for real do you do a lot of gig work as well? Um, I do like some freelance around here. That's probably that's primarily what I'm speaking about is like my kind of attempt at breaking into the gig work around here, which is hilarious because nobody knows who Streetlight is in my in my universe. You know what? I'll take that back. Two kids do. When I started going to the jams a lot recently, there are two kids in Philadelphia. Great trumpet players, great, amazing trumpet players. Like these dudes blow jazz circles around me in a way, you know, I'm not going to lie, but you know, in a way they do. And yeah, they were listening to the Somewhere in the Between album when they were in middle school. And just because that was so long ago, that was like 14 years ago. Now these dudes are master's jazz students. Oh, that's awesome. That must feel so good. It, it feels good, but it's interesting because they're like 28 or 29. 
You indoctrinated them. Yeah, so it's like they know about it, but do the people that I'm actually trying to meet know about it? Not really. Not really. So it's just an interesting thing where, like, like after time, how, uh, you know, professionals in the field know you for doing a thing that not only do you never think was that super serious, like Streetlight, we don't walk around thinking people are listening to it. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. unfortunate. Yeah, you know, like we do the show. <laughs> you know, like we do the shows, but like as everybody's living their life, we're not like, hey, somewhere somebody's listening to an album of me. I'm sure that's never crossing nobody's mind in Streetlight Manifest. Do you think that's what keeps you guys together so long? Um, I think so, yeah, because the us has never really been a thing. It's like we're doing it, you know, and it's a band and it's awesome and we're all doing it. But it's like, it's not, uh, you know what? I'll say this. I can't say for us because for me, it's different because I am, I think everybody else in the band has like a real life, real life job. So for mm. me, it's always been, even when it came to writing it, because it's like, I'm coming at it. How do I say it? Hmm, what if I, what if we were interviewing you? Like I'm looking at the IM, like if I were to look at the IMDB thing, there's a thing called American Gods that Sonetta walk, work on. Right. <laughs> you worked on that, Sonetta? I just did background acting one day, but it, that's a cool story because I met Marilyn Manson that day. But anywho. <laughs> yeah, yes, Matt, anywho, right? my roommate, cool. yeah, my roommate watches the show, right? So it's like, imagine if we were interviewing her just for her work in American Gods. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that would not be I'd a be good like, idea. I, I'd be like, hey, that's too funny. But so, you, you know, you make your... um. Do you make your living as a musician, like would you say? It's weird. I yes, I have been making a living as a musician, but I'm not like super rich or anything. It's like I'm I especially with this pandemic thing, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Kind of threw me for a loop. But um yeah, I definitely have been doing that, but how do I even say it? It's like, hmm. And not sound like a weird super capitalist also, because that's another thing. It's like, okay, so you're a musician, right? Or I'm a musician, I'm in street light. After a while, when you go on tour, like a whole, whole lot, like I've been around the whole planet four times, right? With that band since 07. You start to notice that your friends can go just because of the jobs they have. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Mm. Like, That's the art world, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Like you guys can book a vacation. And when you're, if you're yeah. straightly doing it as a musician, you maybe not be able to. Like, if you're, if you're a super mentally healthy person who is very disciplined, you can also be a teacher, and that gives you like your squarer job, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm definitely not trying to be morbid with this description, uh, and how street life has been for me or my life. But it's like when you're mostly making money from that and freelance stuff, you're trying to break into these scenes, like these jazz scenes. You can get to play with these people that are making like 150 grand. Um, once again, I'm sorry for the numbers, but this is, you know, you're talking to a trumpet player right now. So, yeah, explain. No, dude, I love this stuff. This is, I think people need to hear that. Because, yeah, musicians, most musicians are poor and no one ever talks about that. And like, I, I, yeah, I, I, that's the thing. I remember I, don't, I was older than I should be, but I was embarrassed by it to be like having that realization that just because someone's on television doesn't mean they have a million dollars. 
Like, yes. you know, like I, you know, like I remember, or like, I remember I grew up more in like the, the punk scene in Connecticut. And I like, these dudes would be like three or four years older than me. And like, you know, we'd go to these punk shows and like scream and cry and like have these moments. And then like a week later, you'd be at like Denny's and their waiting tables. And you're like, yeah, oh. it's so exactly. Exactly. I think for all the arts, really, like if you're an independent artist and you're not like a, I hate to say sellout, but you know, like for in the film world, it's like you're either working for Hollywood and you're still probably not making bang unless you're, you know, like a huge celebrity or something. But otherwise, it's like as an independent artist, you need to balance that because like I know for me, like I don't want to compromise my art because I'm getting money from a certain source that's going to tell me like how to make it their way kind of thing. Like exactly bullshit exactly <laughs> yeah you know it absolutely is so that's the whole thing with being like and this is another word it's weird uh i live in america so this is a word like when i was a kid in new york uh they had a word for the guys who played all the gigs they used to call them giggers it sounds like another word in america of low social status too where it's like your life yeah it's like i don't think i can say playing. one yeah it's like that's what it was because your life is tied off of playing the gigs so it's like you kind of yeah. have to be able to fit into the format that people want to hire you, right? And for mm -hmm. musicians, like the kind that we were trained to be, a lot of the dudes in Streetlight, like that was our thing. Like we were being trained to be New York regulars. Like those were the teachers we had. All of our teachers played mm -hmm. all the Broadway, all the symphony, all the orchestra stuff. You know, some of those dudes toured with bands like Steely Dan or played with Barbara Streisand or were in the city opera. A lot of them were like accomplished jazz dudes, like had their own albums and were part of the lineage, as we call it. That's who our teachers were when we were in university. So when it came to this streetlight thing, that's kind of the place that that's the place I took it because I didn't know ska. So I was trying to make it like a resume calling card. So when I came to somewhere in the between, there's so many different musics on somewhere in the between that I'm definitely I'm basically just trying to sell authentically. You know, like, I'm not writing all of this stuff. Like I said, I'm playing a role in it. But I think the thing that makes it, like, a thing is coming from me trying to bring attention to it that has nothing to do with the Sky universe. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Like, the albums... And, you know, don't tell these dudes I say that because everybody thinks I'm a weird ego test. But a lot of stuff I'm playing, I'm trying to get Earth, Wind, and Fire to hear. You see nice. what I'm saying? Yes. I'm trying to get JV to hear that. And be scared mm -hmm. of that. I'm trying to get all of the big boys to hear the little band over here with the sea of white kids wearing yellow and red. They're all short and little, right? And then sure. over here, are the big kids, you know, they're all wearing gold teeth and big and big big clothing <laughs> and showing up in Maybox. I wanted them to be able to hear that band and get scared. Nice. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because there wasn't a thing. Like, they didn't have the musical component for... It's so weird, I'm not even going to use this word, but it is. It's called World Conquest. I'm a trumpet player. <laughs> See what I'm saying? I'm a trumpet player. <laughs> yeah, it is. So encoded in the thing is, like, it's, like, the spreadingness of it. Like, it's weird. It's a weird thing to even talk about because you never want anybody to think that you're big on yourself or crazy. And Sinetta can probably relate to this, but at some point, you got to know what you're giving to the whole genre. What your deal like, is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What yeah. you feel is and also what your worth is. Like, this is a genre mm -hmm. called film. So, Netta Duncan, who are you to be able to comment on it? <laughs> see what I'm saying? Do you have the stars? Do you have the battle stories? 
you have the triumph reef to be like in film i'm so net a duncan and you, if you talk to me and deal with me about it you might be able to get up on this level yourself maybe you know so maybe fun that's a story little... about scars and film if you guys want to hear it mm -hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. um so a couple years ago uh making a film prop it's like a cutout cardboard window but out of like the hard cardboard forget what it's called cardstock or whatever mm -hmm. um ended up cutting my finger with a uh, exacto blade and now i have 12 oh stitches God. in my freaking finger that's been scarred so i oh literally have the, <laughs> the scars exactly <laughs> You know what I'm saying? And it's like, it's all figuratively because a lot of it, it's, it's crazy. It's like, you know, because I think I met Sonetta at a show. Sonetta is super humble for the powerhouse that she is. You know, it's like, she's not going to yeah. tell you, like, you got to Google it. Yeah. She's just not going to tell true. you who she is. I think I've known Sonetta for like two and a half years and she's yeah. never let the cat out of the bag. And I totally forgot. But I look. I googled you before the interview started, and I was like, "Oh yes, I remember." You know, you googled me during the interview. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, like half an hour ago. You know, I'm not coming out here. You know, you know, I don't know. You know, you just, just, had to. You, you know. Because I don't want to be talking crazy. You see what I'm saying? Because it's two very professional people. And like I said, a lot of the times, it's so weird. Yeah, so let's go back to the musician's poor thing, right? Here's mm -hmm. the thing. I don't even know if I can say this. Well, you can say yeah, it in worst case, say, cut out. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. I'm going to say this. I think musicians who don't really know what they're doing are poor. How about that? And I shouldn't really mm -hmm. say that because I can't say who, what knowledge is and what steps you can take. But I think like, I don't know. I think if you're like involved in the ways that things get done, you know, wherever you are, what city you are, that it's going to bring some sure. monetary, it's going to, it's going to bring it back to you in some way. Even if you do have to get a day job and you're just playing in the bars in your town on the weekend, eventually you're going to have four gigs a week and you're going to be making a thousand every weekend or something. If sure. you're doing like the bar gig, eventually, you know, it spirals to that, that type of thing. Right. So a lot of my experience, yeah, a lot of my experience over the past 10 years is finding who had the juice, like who has, who had the businesses and who had like the situation set up to where, you know, they could really live, live well as people and be a part of the arts. So you're like, let me join a ska band. <laughs> exactly. A hundred other dudes. <laughs> like, why don't I just yeah, have exactly. a guitar? Why can't I just be Connor Oberst and just take all that money? Damn it. Uh, well, the thing is, it's like, it wasn't even about that because it's like, there's huger bands than ska bands that are doing it. it. It Basically, long story short, it got me into the behind the scene things. It's like what it actually takes to make a show happen. Like, Sinet is involved in production. You know, like, um, yeah, like what, yeah, like all the things it takes to make a show actually happen. And when you see what the artists and the producers and those people are actually really doing back there, because I don't know Streetlight, I just know Tom. You see what I'm saying? I don't know who mm -hmm. they are. I'm in a band, but I just know the guy. So I'm seeing the guy do the stuff all day when we're doing the thing. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> and it's like, wow, that's, <laughs> that's really good it, way of you know? putting it. I see the guy doing the thing, but we do the thing. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's it. You know, so you're seeing the person. It's probably a lot like Sonetta's life. You're at a lot laptop a lot. You know, yeah. you're handling and managing all these things. You know, so it was bringing that tech to the uh, to the classical instrument artists, where it's like we're kind of more service industry. Like we play for we're either teaching school or we're playing for orchestras. Mm. You see what I'm saying? It's like it's very different than what. Yeah, it's different than what people think music is. For if you're like playing an instrument, like you being a solo artist, you're like, I'm gonna be a solo artist. <laughs> like, what am I gonna do? Why do I want to do that? You know what I'm saying? Like, I play solos, but I'm not like trying to have pretty pictures and purple hair and yeah, you know, be like a. Solo you should do artist. that purple do, like, hair. <laughs> you know, it it would definitely be a thing. I might do that. You know, or diet straight platinum blonde like the dude from Demolition Day. You know what I'm saying? That could, that could be so old. You guys don't even remember it. Sorry, I don't. No idea. <laughs> I look it up. You wait. No, okay. So let's stop right there. Now, nah, this is the streetlight moment. This streetlight moment is great, right? So this is what I try and do at the shows, right? So I've now convinced you two that I'm a nerd and that I'm human and all of those things that make people comfortable with talking to people. Dude, if you, if you look so it you up, it doesn't never seen go by Google. Day. Is that a TV show? Uh, it was a movie. Or it was Demolition Man. <laughs> well, you gotta tell us the real thing, or else we can't find it. Yeah, yeah, yeah if you look it up, it doesn't even exist. Demolition Man, nineteen ninety three. I yeah, remember that was... the name. Oh, I see him. Yeah, <laughs> Demolition Man. That was oh, yeah, okay, Wesley right. Snipes. So I, yeah, so I think that movie is so old to where the future in that movie is right now. Um, if what? you guys get a chance, definitely check out Demolition Man. Uh, they were exactly right. The future is exactly like in Demolition Man right now. Uh, Taco Bell was a luxury restaurant. Um, cocktail Still music is. was the Jolly Green Giant. Um, How dare you kiss was very, Taco Bell? <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, yo, my girl loves Taco Bell. Like, I could it's never really good. get into it. I when I became vegetarian, actually. Oh, sorry, dude. Uh, when I became vegetarian, actually, that was the one of the things I missed most was no joke Taco Bell. <laughs> that is so crazy. It's so interesting. So, are both of you guys in Canada? No, I'm in Rhode Island. Okay, you're in Rhode Island. She's in Canada. So, I mean, we got to ask more uh, Sonetta questions because it's like, how did you even <laughs> get like on these levels? You know what I'm saying? That's why I like talking to the streetlight folk because you never know who they are. No They're one, so no one knows. So that and I have never met. In yeah, person, that person I have never met yet. We're Boston. gonna see you in uh, December, hopefully. I, yeah. I just got my tickets for Boston. Boston. Okay, that'd be cool. Can I actually do? Want to ask you though, like, what's it like touring though? From going from like not wow. knowing, like just meeting Tom to being like, hey, nice to meet you. Let's uh, pour our souls to this art. <laughs> Now let's all get in a van and drive cross country and play some weird ass wow. music. Wow, some, oh, some weird okay. punk beds. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. So I couldn't even really imagine. No. Um, for a kid who was 26, and also, so here's the thing: I'm 16 years old. I start in marching band, right? And uh, I'm an insomniac. I'm hanging out with the trumpet. I'm reading weird books, you know. So are you smoking a lot of morning. weed? Huh? What'd you say? Are you smoking a lot of weed at this age? Absolutely not. Like in my upbringing, really? absolutely not. Yeah, no, not until I get to college you're and I good... meet my homie Sergio. Yeah, okay, I was so good. Kid. I was just naive. Yeah, I was just a naive kid. Like I think you guys even went to shows when you were a kid. I was a trumpet yeah. Ronin cub. Like I didn't go to this shows. This is so funny I to me, man. Miles Davis footage. 
I watched Miles Davis footage. I played trumpet technique stuff. I used to walk around in pleated pants. Um, I live in a town called Wilmington, Delaware. One of the greatest trumpet players ever is from here, Clifford Brown. So when I was 14, I was over here at the Clifford Brown Festival, uh, hanging out and studying with a trumpet player named Donald Bird. That's who so I, where I was from 14 to 17. Yeah. And Donald Byrd was one of the people who invented bebop. He's one of the people who invented crossover music. Um, you should definitely is... check Donald Byrd out. If you have no idea who Donald Byrd is, check him I out. Don't. Um, Googling now. Yeah. Uh, for comparison, you and I, we're similar in age. I'm 36, but I, I didn't grow up in Wilmington, Delaware, but if I did, um, I would have done the boy sets fire shows because that's what, you know, that. And so apparently you and I would have both been in yeah. the same uh, stadium, yes. just different sides. Where I would have uh, been in the heart yeah. of the punk shows you were at. Yeah, absolutely. Because, yeah, there was definitely a scene for that. Because there's some people that were from around here. I'm actually from a town called Pensgrove, New Jersey, which is like the edge. It's like a very small little country town, 5,000 populace. It's right at the bottom of New Jersey. Um, oh, okay. Very yeah, lucky, yeah. Yeah. Very lucky upbringing. I came up around a lot of classy and very sweet people. It was a very sweet, sweet upbringing. So I came up playing church music. Like I came up in the gospel church. That's how I kind of have that oh, connection wow. to all of okay. those other. Yeah, and it's funny because the thing you guys call punk rock ska is our shouting beat. And the American gospel church, like, that's a shouting beat. So people in the churches oh, I grew up in, they run around and jump up and down and praise the Lord. to what I love gospel music. I will not lie. Yeah. Oh, it's a thing, it. you know? Yeah, it's definitely a thing. So um, it was weird. Yeah, Tom's it was, lyrics uh, are kind of spiritual-ish. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's a weird thing. I would say there's some people who, in certain churches who probably don't like the words he uses. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a thing. I mean, I think all of that, it's so weird because I think that's just all how you come through. You know, it's like you, it's like, hmm. I, this is definitely not with Tom, but I think like with groups of people, you know, it's like I'm never trying to say anything about anything, but it's like we was kids following uh, Real Big Fish and Lester Jake doing, you know, it was like, so yeah, for me, I needed deities, but that goes back into that trumpet part. So I have two it's things like, for you, Matt. So my first thing is, so actually my very first show I saw of you guys was actually the Real Big Fish tour. Um would have been <laughs> anywho that's, that's, that's hilarious <laughs> he dipped <laughs> they're sweet guys they're sweet dudes really really sweet yeah guys. and so that would have been actually right you after know? you started uh started in streetlight because i saw you guys i think the very first show would have been 2008 when you guys did the mad caddies and real big fish that year wow um, okay. and it's funny so i have a funny story about this though so you guys were opening for Real Big Fish. This would have been either 2008 or 2009. And literally, okay. no joke, half the venue left, like of the audience, left after you guys performed. So before oh, Real I Big Fish remember, came on. Yeah, yeah it, so mean, that was kind of messed up. And then there's also, yeah. um, I remember Real Big Fish whipped a CD <laughs> into the audience and nobody wanted it and like people were just like moshing on top of it and i ended up grabbing it and then i and now i have this real big fish album i've never opened <laughs> yo that's that i think i kind of do remember some of that <laughs> i kind of do remember some of that i kind of do 
it was so random yeah like everyone left the headliner but they're just there for the opener it's so (laughs) random because i remember those things right i do remember those things and i definitely shouldn't be saying that stuff in this in public at all but i do remember (laughs) those things because it was like back then in 2007 before everybody was grown up it was kind of like we were the new dudes on the block yeah i do especially in like like a foreign country Oh, yeah, in the foreign countries and even in, like, you know, playing big places. I remember because the tour was, it was like street, it was a real big fish less than Jake in Streetlight. And we were like, you know, like their little raggedy brothers that they were bringing around to open up for them and whatnot. Like, this is my first time ever being on the road. But like I said, I do kind of remember some of that where it was like, in the very beginning, some of the fans were, like, very sectarian with the thing. I think then it evolved. Like, mm. over time, it evolved where, like, every ska band, every ska fan loves every ska band. Like, yeah. it got cultish mm. after a while where it's, like, now now the ska fans, cause like I said, I'm hanging with them. I'm literally the guy from Robin Hood running around with Robin Hood. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm hanging mm. with them, watching what they turn into as they grow. And they love every band, you know? But I do remember those days when it was things like that. I definitely do. That was yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, that was the RV days. That was like <laughs> strawberries all over the floor. There were piss bottles and stuff. Oh god, it was crazy. <laughs> it was crazy. Get an RV with a toilet. Where are you guys doing? <laughs> uh, we had to take the toilet out. See, what it was was the year before I got in. They all had bought an RV because that was a great idea, right? So they took everything from outside the RV and they put bunk beds in it, you know, and they were like these hardwood bunk beds that they built in this RV and it didn't really work out. It wasn't that safe at all. Like I remember at some point we were, I was laying on my back in one of these beds and I could see the, like the wall flapping off at the side of the roof. And uh, yeah, we just kept rocking it. So it wasn't necessarily structurally sound. The toilet wound up somewhere, so we couldn't use the toilet. So we had to pee in bottles and put them in the closet where the toilet was. Shit. <laughs> yeah, that was streetlight. That was streetlight 2007 to 2010. Then we convinced the old man to get a bus. So he found the cheapest bus he could find. It was called the Gunship. We had a cool driver named Gio Bomarito. He was like 5'2". He was an interesting man, Gio was. You know. Aren't all bus drivers fascinating? I've you know, legit well, the heavy, yeah, like they're the heaviest <laughs> people. Like I said, the production people, like Sonetta, you yeah, know, the lifers. you know, it's like, yeah, they're the lifers. Like, and uh, <laughs> yeah, this dude, this dude's dad was in the diamond business. He is a he drives around the country with the bus and remodels Bed Bath and Beyonds. And he had another friend with him that was a hunter. And this guy had like a certain type of cool shotgun. They were going to hunt boar after they dropped us off after the last tour. I was like, God damn. So this is why I'm employing deities to move around the U.S. Yeah, I mean, come on. <laughs> so, Matt, that was my follow-up. So do you have specific deities that you um, like? Wow. <laughs> um, I can't even, you know what? Honestly, it's a weird black Christian. Like Baptists in America, right? You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Um, I'm familiar. So let, yeah, right. So here's the thing. So you got the judging Baptists, and I think that's the white folks, not to be racist about it, because they could judge. Usually, yeah, it's like if you're black Christian in America, if you're black Christian in America, you kind of got to get rid of the judgment because your life might just be shit. 
You know what I'm saying? You know, you might, yeah. everything in the Bible, your life might be different then. So you can't really be judging people. So you're usually using it so you can survive. You know what I'm saying? And I said, so it's like sure. using it, it's mostly, it's mostly just an engine of optimism. So you can go forward into the unknown. You don't have enough money. You don't have the education. You see what I'm saying? So now you have to step forward into this unknown space and dominate it for survival. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, so yeah. which deities do I use? It's weird, right? Um, because I'm not, I, I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm a super religious dude. It's like, I just try to be good to people. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I just try to be good to people and I try to go around giving out good energy. You know what I'm saying? And I'm sure there's a name for one of them that does that. So that's the one I rock with. You know, it's a blessed situation when you can be a part of the stuff that people love, you know. So you're just trying to go around and do it justice, you know, but also do yourself justice artistically, you know. So I feel, you know, Streetlight is a cool, uh, is a cool, uh, is a cool vehicle. So to answer the question, I say the one of self, and that's embarrassing to answer. I appreciate this answer. You're not supposed to conceive of you know what I'm saying? You're not supposed to conceive as yourself, even though Christianity tells you you're the son of, you're the living son of the deity made in that thing's image. You know, you're not supposed to believe that you have the same characteristics of that. Like prestidigitation, multiplication, the ability to heal, the ability to call things into existence, like little rusty garage bands and make them, you know, world world touring like scimitar sounds that people know and think are real bands <laughs> you know what i'm saying it's like uh, you know, all these little you see what i'm saying all those little things get to open up in your mind if you got room for the grandiose so that's why i think you know using a deity in art in the arts it's you know or even having a concept of a deity in your head is valuable because if you think like people you'll get people results you see what I'm saying? But if you can think on a higher yeah. level, on a level that you can do more service, like how can I do the most service? You know what I'm saying? So my grandfather, had, might come um, <laughs> my grandfather had a really good thing that, well, my grandma always told me, but my grandfather said it. Um, so she always said that my grandfather was one of the most Christian man, men that she ever knew. And it wasn't because he went to church every Sunday and it wasn't because he like prayed all the time or anything like that. It was because he would like do good to all, all the people in his life. He would always help them out every chance he got. Like it's really at the yes. end of the day. And I think this is where religion for me, like I'm spiritual. I'm not religious. I do go to church sometimes mm -hmm. and, um, you know, like I've read the Bible, like I get it, but like for me, it's really about like being a good person is really what it comes down to, and not being a good person because of fear of punishment or fear of hell or fear of any of this shit. Like it's about really just like being a good person because you genuinely like that's what you need to do. That's what comes from inside, and it really is an energetic thing. I think at the end of the day, that's just my beliefs. <laughs> you no, know, and the um, thing. And, and and also continuing with that, like here in the U.S., you know how the U.S. is all like thing based, like it is very capitalistic, like you guys are very nice people. But I mean, my man, you're in Rhode Island, right? So, you know, it's a get money state. That's what we do around here. You know what I'm saying? So then it gets into you have these gifts, like you have 
the gift of film, right? So over here in like kind of the black Baptist thing, you have this gift, so now you have to walk on it. You mm. see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like and it's kind of like your, you your, your gift, purpose. You have to use it as service. Not the same. Yes, you're obligated, right? So that was a big thing in my childhood. It's like, okay, I can kind of play the trumpet enough to annoy people. You know, so how do I throw this gift, you know? And that puts it into like the myth. Now it's in the mythos thing. I think we had a small talk about this earlier to where it's mm. like it's easy to put yourself off into the mythical side of things to where you study your craft, you're here to be of service, you know? So if someone asks you to get on an RV and drive across the U.S. in a genre of music that you've never really heard, <laughs> you'll do it, you know? I still can't get over that it part. Gives you an opportunity like, sure. to be of service with your gift. Yeah. It's your duty. That's it's like you said about being like in the military, uh, the military training for band yeah. kind of thing. Like, <laughs> it's your duty. Yeah. Yeah, it's your duty yeah, because you can service. do it. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, you know, it, yeah, and the people give back to you and they do, you know, like this hang with you guys, you know. And like even being at the shows, it's kind of a magical thing. It's you know, the closest the to the spiritual day, I get. With the ska thing, from what I'm observing, because I'm a jazz dude. So yeah, on... they're selling love. There's a lot of love. It's like, you know, even in big yeah. shows in general, you know. Hmm? Just a quick antidote, um, or whatever, antidote, whatever the freaking word is. Um, so last Streetlight show that I went to see, which was in Jersey, so it was actually your last show that you had uh, end of 2019, I guess. I keep forgetting 2020 was a year. Um, a dude actually said at the end of the show to yeah, us yeah. that... <laughs> did I get the dates right? <laughs> um, a dude actually said to us at the end of the show, dude, now I know why people go to church. This is like the most like spiritual connection I've had being around all these people and we're here for the same thing. And like he like mm. went into this whole rant yeah. about like how this show specifically and it was the last show so December 22nd I think 2019. He went into oh, this wow. rant about how yeah. it was like like he gets now why people go to church coincidentally and like why they have this sort of like I don't know, group of people um, that they are like-minded with and then like, they feel connected with and then they feel like it brings them to a different spiritual level. Um, but I thought that was so funny because I'm like, this yeah. is how I felt. <laughs> this is how I feel at shows all the time. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for saying it. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, and, and I think it's beautiful and I think they all go hand in hand and I think sometimes, like, you know, especially with the religion thing, there's so much there's so much history on it that there's so much history and negativity with it that it's like it's sexier press than like a show or like anything even sports mm. you know there's really something to that human hurting thing where they all just feel good because like when you're looking down at the crowd it's all one single thing you know what i'm saying like it's all one organism um and, and from my perspective i will definitely say they're kind of making it happen like, the crowd is kind of making the thing happen. Like, when you get into the middle of the show, like, you know, it's very out of body. You know, not to get floofy, la-la, woo-woo, but that's where I'm living at. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's where I live at, you know, being a musician. Like, yeah, it's very out of body. Like, it's an hour and a half or hour and 45 minutes. It really feels like 15. 
you know, um, you're doing like, you know, it's it's definitely you're definitely in the third place making that stuff happen. At least for me, that's how music has been. Uh, you know, like I'm better in the performance than I am in rehearsal. So it's like, yeah, it's it's definitely a it's, it's definitely a thing to where it's like, yo, I feel uh, happy to be a part of this. You know. So there was a really cool experience I had like, when I went to your guys's 300 cap show. And so I went with my dad. It was the first Street Light show I've ever brought my dad to. And we traveled all the way from Toronto to Jersey, which was epic. Um, and so we stood on the balcony um, overlooking, like, the crowd. And seriously, so I have some okay. footage of this that I put on the YouTube um, thing. But but basically, it was, like, the watching the – because I'm always yeah, down as part of the crowd. And then this was the first time when I was ever actually, like, watching – like audience from like above up and like or above down and it was like the way that everybody was moving it's like exactly like you said matt like it's like an organism yes. like you're watching the energy flow like it was like like it was mind mind-blowing because it was like you're actually watching these people like go around like the just the movement i can't describe it without like actually like showing a visual but it was like it was yeah. the first time where i got it like i got how it worked and like i had like a big epiphany from it i'm like oh my god this is like i get it now <laughs> so exactly that was right really cool yeah you know, so it's like, so that's my experience, like touring, you know, we'll go back to that question so we can keep it moving. Like, you know, what is it like touring? Um, if you're crazy and you think that that's what you're supposed to be doing in your life because of your, well, like the pick of destiny, you know what I'm saying? Then it's very <laughs> Pick of destiny, awesome. do not drop Tenacious D references with me. I love them. So much. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, if that's where your head is at, which I think most artists are like, you know, because you're young, you know, there aren't any wife and kids yet. You know what I'm saying? Congratulations, my man over there being married. Um, oh, you know, you. you know, it's like there isn't any of that yet. So you're like in this story, like you're young man, like you're, 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 you know, you're Jason and the Argonauts. You're out there, you're playing this music, you're trying to get this done. I don't even think you know why at that point. I don't really think there was a why yet. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I definitely don't think there was a why yet, but we're just like, nah, we're just doing it. You know, we're just doing it to do it. Like, we'll take these drives before fun. You know, it's just great to be a part of that process in the world, like how energy flows from nothingness into somethingness into a group of people, you know, and it's like, are the people making that or are you making that? Or collectively, are you making it together mm -hmm. in a way? Exactly. Yeah, you know, exactly. Like, are all these droplets forming all around the country, you know, by happenstance and what comes out of that? You know, people get married out of those things. Businesses get formed, you know. You know, it's now I'm rambling about nonsense, but <laughs> well, it's <laughs> not nonsense. No, it's not nonsense. It's great. Well, well, I mean, it's true, right? Like music brings people together, and like, so like I work my my day job. I, I work in like behavioral health, uh, but like what you were saying about playing on stage, and like you're like, oh yeah, you play for an hour and a half. You know, it's like fifteen feels like fifteen minutes. I'm like, oh my god, that is uh, what we would call like that's that's practicing mindfulness, and like it's you know it's zen. It's Science, we call that flow state. There's just so many different exactly. words. Exactly. Same, same thing. Exactly. Exactly. So here's the thing. Now we're going back to the other questions. Yeah, a lot of musicians are poor, right? My thing is that those chemicals become addicting. You know mm, what I'm saying? Interesting. So you do, yeah, you do have to watch yourself 
because, you know, it, it could lend itself, you know, because it's all about survival here. So at some point in your life, or maybe it's not, there's a lot of magic in it. Because at some point as a musician, you're like, yeah, if I keep, keep going, I keep, keep going, I keep, keep going, that this wellspring of life is going to fall down on me and I'm going to be able to live from this like all my other friends live, you know, with mortgages, mm. wives and kids, the houses, the vacations, you know, everybody at the beach all happy, you know, like you're thinking you're going to try to make these things all happen. And it's weird. I guess they kind of do. I can't say they don't, you know, but uh yeah, I definitely think at some point that um, at some point, yeah, people definitely choose to, uh, you know, how, what are you going to do to support that? You know, and people get full other jobs, you know, to be able to support being a part of that process. You know, it's a, uh, you know, for me, like I definitely ended up having to get like real quote unquote jobs in order to just even afford making art. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. I hate that. <laughs> yeah, no, for real, for real, because it's like that point you're making right now, that is something like I look back on that it's like, I, I don't like to look in the past and say what I should have done, but it's like, yeah, the stress, that's how a pandemic was for me. The pandemic was such a stopple of stuff. It was such that it gave me a chance to reflect on like how my life had been for the past like 13 years before it of just nonsense stop if it wasn't street mm -hmm. light it was another a, a freelance thing and like i said here i'm trying to run after all these people that have all these mm -hmm. more developed careers you know what i'm saying and i'm getting my own vibes and my own door slammed in my face i mean some things are happening like great things are happening but uh yeah it's you trying to be a part of something you know and eventually you know maybe you just wind up being yourself out here and maybe it works you know, well, that's what I that. think, like, age-old thing is, like, you you know, like, especially as we were talking about, like, spiritualism and stuff, it's, like, my thing is, like, I'll just be me, you know, like, I've learned this the hard way many times, but I'll just be me, I'll just do my thing, and, like, whatever is meant to happen is gonna happen, like, that's my, I have two age-old quotes, the first one mm -hmm. is, everything happens as it's meant to, so don't fret, <laughs> the that's second heavy, one is, <laughs> the second one is if you persevere you'll always end up being rewarded in some regard oh. so especially yo, when it comes to it, the arts <laughs> it's yo that's real right so it's crazy because i was watching you know um i was watching this a video of this rabbi talking right and uh it was a rabbi guy talking to a whole bunch of other cats that go to a rabbi church and um you know they were asking him about business Right. And they were like, yeah, how do we know that these efforts are going to work out? Like, we're out here trying to do all these things, you know, like get this happening. But how do we know it's going to work out? And Rabbi was like, it all works, you know, so that was deep how quick he said it, like that saying the failures, you know what I'm saying? Like the loss of it, like, you know, the feeling of the loneliness feelings, like the pressure, like, I don't know how much pressure there is with the film thing, but uh Oh, tons. <laughs> yeah, you know, and competition because film is yeah. like super duper sexy, you know. Everybody wants to be involved in film, you know. Yeah, especially being a Canadian filmmaker. Like Canadian film is does not do good. Because of America, man. Because you guys have like, oh, yeah. ibs over all Violence. of our cinemas. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think it's more uh, America, America has like 
America owns all of our cinemas, our radio. Like you guys own really? so much of our shit. Yeah. Yeah. Really. That's so our crazy. musicians, that's why like Bieber, for example, like our only like Canadian musician. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why he had to like become Americanized. That's why like all of our filmmakers end up having to go to America. All of our actors have to go to wow. America. Like it's brutal. Comedians bro. too. Comedians, yeah, yeah. yeah all, I all can believe that. Them. You know what? I mean, but here is like the mall. It's like, I feel like if you live in countries like Canada, like that is it, you know, it's part of the British thing, you know, it's got some French heritage. So it's like a kingdom. So I feel like Canada is built for people to live in. Whereas like America is here, like you're here to work in and produce stuff that you're trying to make a lot yeah. of money off of. Agreed. So and be taxed. Like that's yeah. literally like, that's and you fair. can feel it. Like it's the same thing when you step out of the American bubble and people are just like cold chilling. And you're like, what's up with you guys? Why ain't you got no problems? And they're like, we ain't got problems. We don't do problems here. Like, we're not selling <laughs> problems to make money. And then you go back through the thing. You go back into America and, like, the music is loud and people are looking at you weird because your skin is dark. And you're like, oh, we make money off of problems here. That's what we do. Problems home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know what I'm saying? And you're happy for it because it's interesting. But I will say during this pandemic, this is the longest I've ever been in the United States consecutively since 2007. It is a hard place. The U.S. is a hard place. Like, yeah. there's a lot of beautiful stuff here. And there's a lot of things you can do. Like, there's a lot of opportunity here. I will definitely say that. Like, if you come here, you can come from the bottom to being like a big shit. But... It's ahead of it compared to other countries in the world. It is so, it's so stressful. It's like a stress barn in this bad boy. And it's very interesting, I find. But, you know, it makes the music and it makes those arts. And it's just like, it's definitely been a culture shock being in the U.S. for two years. Uh, Speaking of flow state, um, I just, I just checked the clock. It's actually, we already hit our hour. I just felt like two minutes uh, so I just want to make sure I'm mindful of your time. Is there anything um, that we missed that we wanted to cover before we kind of tail towards the end? Oh, for me, yeah. Um, honestly, I think, and it's like, you know, I think this was a great start to one. I do. Like, we all sat down, we had this conversation, you know. Well, consider this an open invitation. You, you both are we, – we could definitely do this again in person, online. This would be tons of – I I had to, like, look up – at least twice I had to look up words and you guys said something like, okay, they are smarter than me. <laughs> Lies. I was like, what's a deity? <laughs> do you have any wrap-up questions? Any, uh, really anything that you up. had about deities? That's my cat <laughs> who I'm trying to kick out. Get out. No, I don't. I I think I'm, I'm I'm more of like a, not so much a question person, but a like le- like when something's going on. One of the, before we wrap, the funniest thing I wanted to say this to Matt. I'm sure you understand. Appreciate this, yeah, about so, Sonetta. Yes. We were talking about something podcast related, Sonetta, and I forgot. I was asking. Oh, I remember what it was. I was asking for Sonetta's advice on like a decision we had to make about you know one of those like fork in the roads, and Sonetta was like, you know what? Let me just meditate on this. And I'll come back to you. And I'm just like, that is the most Sonetta answer. And I was, yeah. I, I love it. But have you ever gotten that from her yet, Matt? The, let me just meditate on this for a minute. Um, absolutely. Like, like me and Sonetta, like we've spoken briefly, and like you know, 
I always think people are more than they appear to be as they walk around in this world. You know what I'm saying? And some people are yeah. those type of seer stone people. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Where they got like an agenda. We don't know what it is, but we're all cool with whatever their agenda is. And that's, uh, that's who uh, Sunetta is. So I just so, want to say. We've had some conversations and it's got. Yeah. What? You know. I just want to say, guys, just before we, we continue with this, I'm, I'll surprise you in the fact that I never have an agenda. <laughs> oh, I believe that. I'm probably one of the only people in existence that you does actually not. No, I never have an agenda. I'm just like, I'm just a beer. <laughs> I'm just like, I am how I am. Yo, yo that's awesome. <laughs> I just you like to support other and people. That's awesome. And you know <laughs> I yeah. wish, I wish and hope to grow to be that person. Like, I don't have a nefarious agenda, but it's like, you know, the last interview I did with somebody was absolutely terrible. I'm doing this one to try and get better. I don't know. I kind of always feel like I have a reason for doing things. And maybe that's bad. Maybe that takes me doing things, you know, because some things you should just be doing just on the field, you know, if you always have reasons for what you're doing, it's like you're missing out on that energy there. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. uh, are you aware yeah, of the uh, Facebook group Sonetta started? <laughs> I invited Matt to it. Uh, like, oh, uh, what's that one? <laughs> Friends of Streetlight Manifesto? Because yeah, what's I that have one now. Yes. Um, I can now say I have a good sampling of the people who like Streetlight Manifesto. And like, after talking with you, it makes so much sense because like Streetlight Manifesto has the greatest fan base because there's people in that group who hate ska. There's people who like are conservative. They're just every different walk of life, but they you all had love anti-vaxxers. <laughs> yeah. But yes. the thing is everyone gets along in there too. They're like, okay, we're just not going to fight about this See, right now. This is why the group is so beautiful. Cause it's like Yo. so many random people, but they all get along for some reason in the freaking group. I don't get yeah, it. <laughs> I think that speaks a lot to like you, like your personality and like streetlight and what streetlight does just, it, it just kind of takes a little bit of sample of everyone from all these different walks of life. And even the people in the band were like, what's ska? Sure. I'll play. Like exactly. I, I love it so much. I love it so much. Exactly. And that, that, that was the thing because literally from, and you know, I'm not going to, you know, space it out for another hour, but literally that was our experience. <laughs> like when we're writing this stuff with him, you know, when we were doing it, it was like, yo, you know, we got this tour. Like, what are we going to do? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's like you got to put everything on it to try and make it hot. Yeah, it's got a lot of flavors to it. But I will say this about the fans, if I can even call them fans. I mean, the people who listen to Streetlight, yeah, they are – it's a very unique group. And I love how they have grown because now they're like – it's like 40,000 ninjas. Like they all do really cool shit. Right, they all do really cool shit, and they're all really awesome people. So, like after the shows, when I'm talking to folks, it's like they're stars to me. I don't even know how to say that if that makes any sense. Because to me, my life is pretty regular. Like I'm in a trumpet shop right now. My uh, former roommate owns a trumpet shop, so I'm standing in the trumpet shop. I'm in Wilmington, Delaware, Clifford Brown's town. You know, I played some beach gigs this weekend. It's pretty regular life. You know, so when I met these, when I meet these people, they're people like Sonetta, 
You see what I'm saying? Exactly. <laughs> That's who the yeah. fans are. They're like production people on national television or people like you who run podcasts and are organized to organized enough to come and ask my unorganized ass about being on his podcast. You see At least you said saying? enough in there. <laughs> I love it. I was like, yep. No, organized enough well, is exactly the right way to put it. Money in this I feel you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, it's so oh, interesting good. who the people have become and that they still like listen to the music, you know? But yeah, I definitely want a second interview where we, where I get to ask you guys some, you know, where we have like a more concise talk. Where can people find you online, Matt? Or do, are you, are you active like so on social media? Um, is. <laughs> Sorry, Matt. <laughs> um, I am actually, yeah, I am. And I really... I would really like to talk to you about that. Uh, yeah, my uh, what is it? My Facebook is what's my Facebook? Matthew Stewart. You know, your Facebook's your name. Then you have your your company's um, Instagram. Instagram, right? Oh, Sonetta, you got to give this guy some media training. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I will certainly. Yeah, that. that was the thing. The company <laughs> Bop Life. That was the company. Yeah. Yes, Bop Life. That is Check your out company. Bop Life definitely run over and friend Bop Life. Yes, that is my company. That was the art marketing company. That's what that was. That was the art marketing holdings company. We wanted to put, can't even tell you what we were trying to do because the guy from Good Charlotte actually did it with Lionel Richie's daughter. Like the idea oh, we were going to do, this guy actually got that thing done. Um, with I think I was a good, a good Charlotte fan as a kid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, but yeah. Same. It was, really? Yeah. He, yeah, and it's it's kind of amazing because with this whole world of technology, like that touring world, it's not like it you need it's not like it was where that was the sustenance of the big artist where like you're going out for thirty days, hundred and eighty days a year, and that's where you make your living with all this technology and stuff happening, like you can service more people staying in one place. You know, so there's a lot of interesting things. And yeah, the company Bop Life was us trying to get that habiture started for jazz. That's nice. heavy. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's heavy. That. But yeah, um, that's it. Yeah, on 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 Instagram, it is the American Wilds. That is my name. Um, and also Bop Life on Instagram. We're about to get the Snapchat started. But yeah, those are my handles. I think it's Bop dot Life. What about Sonetta? Where can we find Sonetta? Yes, Sonetta. <laughs> my name. You just Google mm -hmm. my name on anything. It comes up. <laughs> Sonata Duncan. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, we definitely got to talk more about that, you know, because <laughs> you never explain, like, how you get that gig. It's like, okay, you went to film school, yada, yada. But how do you, like, get real work? I'm sure there's a lot of people, you know, who are like, how do I even get work as a film person? Like, what is that? I it's so definitely talk about this for sure. Because yeah. I feel that way about both of you. I, was like, I don't know. I have like a normal day job. I work at a hospital, and I'm like, how do you guys do it? How do you two do what you do? It blows my mind. My answer to this is I can't do anything but. Mm. I've tried very hard to live other lives, and I cannot. I am stuck being a starving artist, is the unfortunate reality. Wow. <laughs> Let's make you all really rich. No, that is heavy. That is a heavy thing because it's like, huh? That is heavy. Yeah, we need a second interview here, and we'll call that one the interview. Part two. <laughs>
Hello, potential listeners. My name is The Vern, and I'm the host of the Cinema Recall Podcast. On most shows, myself, along with some great guests, we will talk about a movie and then some of the most iconic moments that happened in said movie. On top of that, you'll get bonus shows where I will give you short reviews about new and classic movies, or I'll just rant and rave about something going on in the entertainment industry. So come check us out. We're available on Anchor, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, most other places. Don't forget to follow us on social media. On Twitter, we are at Cinema underscore Recall. And then on Facebook, Instagram, we are Cinema Recall Podcast. Uh, don't forget to email us your ad spots to play on future episodes. That email is cinemarecall at gmail.com. Hope to see you around, and thank you very much for listening.